So um, anyway, uh, also want to make sure that it is streaming okay. We're going to be in Exodus chapter number 7 today and uh, been enjoying our study through the book of Exodus and uh, looking forward to the lesson today as well. It's been a good week. I've enjoyed um, just a beautiful week this week, thankful for the God, God's blessings and uh, feeling much better from some of the issues that I was having here last week or week and a half ago. Um, still has a little bit of residual stuff happening, but not much, and so praise the Lord for that. I'm almost back to 100%, and thank the Lord for those that were praying for us. And um, also continue to keep in prayer, Brother Jess Harris. I talked to him the other day, and he's uh, recovering from his hip surgery. He's got probably at least till the end of the week uh, of therapy before they uh, are going to release him. So continue to pray for him. Also, Brother Ron uh, uh, is in the uh, hospital um, and uh, has been working on his breathing treatments. Uh, and I talked to him the other day as well. He's doing better, but again, they're wanting to kind of keep him there until uh, his uh, breathing is better, and so pray for that. Uh, he, he did say to tell everybody thank you for all the work that's been done on the Share the Blessing this year, and so we praise the Lord for uh, what's been done. By the way, um, I put it in the bulletin this week, but apparently last week I was supposed to put in, and we didn't get the note in time, uh, to bring in cranberry sauce, I guess, and that's for both men and women. So I think some people might have brought some today, and if not, we'll bring it in for this, this coming week. But uh, the men were leading, and the ladies kind of got the lead again on us, I think, somehow. They got in all this boxes of cereal or something. So um, we need the men to kind of step it up again. And kind of, we're not, We can't lose three years in a row, certainly. And uh, it's been two years now. But uh, I was talking to Miss Linda Crump yesterday, and um, it's, we, we have fun with it. We make it a competition, but it's, it really is just a blessing to be a part of helping other families, and that's really what it's all about. So, uh, but anyway, be in prayer for that, if you will, also. And uh, pray for Joanne Clark as she's looking for a house to come up here. Keep praying for her. Um, pray for Jean Whitener. Uh, also for Sarah Harris, who's at home and still very weak, and so continue to pray for her. She's uh, uh, with Brother Jess not there. It's been kind of hard on her. Uh, pray for Brother Bob Schwabert. Uh, continue to pray for him, if you will. Miss June Bolin. Um, continue to pray for her. And uh, others that are sick. I know we've got a lot of people that are sick. And uh, I saw yesterday, I guess, that uh, Randy and Victoria Reed have got some kind of a flu bug or something. And uh, they were tested for COVID and came back negative, but uh, they got something. So continue to pray for them. I know Josh and April and, and Josh, younger Josh have been sick, and they tested negative for COVID as well, but they've got something. So uh, it's that time of year, I guess. The bugs are starting to go around again. Uh, so a lot of our folks that uh, are sick, and so be praying for them. Talked to or texted the Douglases yesterday, and they're having a good trip. Um, but uh, Brother Douglas said he was able to travel with minimal pain. They certainly had safety there. And uh, they're praying that they have the um, uh, opportunity to, to be a witness to this friend that they went to see. And he said to keep praying that she's very, very opinionated. And it's very difficult for them to, to talk to her about these things. But I uh, told him we'd make it a matter of prayer. And so keep that in prayer, if you will, uh, as they witness to this friend of theirs. Um, and uh, then the uh, Getting, Gettingers, is that the way you pronounce the last name, Bernie and Michelle, uh, they're going to be taking a couple weeks out because of the COVID, but they're also going on vacation. So be praying for them as they uh, travel, that they'll have traveling mercies and have an enjoyable time. 
there. I know Linda is, I think, at the uh, her family reunion today. Uh, so pray for that and that God will bless there. So a lot of our people that are out are traveling um, and pray for them. All right, anything else we need to be in prayer about? Yes, ma'am, Miss Sandy. Yes. Okay. 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 Emilia. Okay. And how old is she? Sixteen. Okay. Yeah, this uh, staying at home and not being able to socialize as much has been, I've heard numerous stories of not just young people, but even some adults that uh, have struggled with depression. So certainly pray for that uh, as well. Uh, Very difficult time. All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Amen. Amen. Good. Okay. God knows what it is, so if there you go. So if it comes back to you, just let us know. Okay. Okay. All right, so pray for her brother's friend. Okay. And uh, had a good meeting with him the other day. Talked with him and uh, went to breakfast with him. And he's doing better physically. I know some of you, uh, her brother's Mark Ayers that we prayed for a couple weeks ago in church. And I had breakfast with him this past week and a good good time of fellowship there. And pray for him as he seeks for God's will in some matters. And uh, he certainly is wanting to do what God wants. And I told him we'd be praying with him about that. So... Praise the Lord for that. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay. Amen. Okay. His name was Henry, you said? Henry? Okay. Uh-huh. <coughs> mm-hmm. 
Okay. All right. Okay, sounds good. Absolutely. No, that's fine. I'd rather pray for people that need to hear the gospel, so good to hear those uh, opportunities. Boy, isn't it exciting to see God provide opportunities? And uh, I'll tell you, that's a thrill. Why God chooses to use us, I don't know, but I'm glad He does, don't you? It sure brings some joy to our hearts when we get an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And uh, be praying for these fellas, and hopefully they'll come. And I've been praying, uh, hopefully Mark will come and and, uh, start being a part of our church here and We've been praying for that, and uh, he's going to come try to come today. Okay, so I know we had a good talk about that uh, the other day, and he's praying for God's will in that matter. And I know our church is not for everybody, but uh, we we like folks to at least come and and pray about uh, if God would have them be here or not. And we certainly want God's will in the matter. So also, uh, anyth- or uh, anything else? Okay, all right. Uh, also, uh, just be praying. We got a lot of folks. Uh, that in the last probably week and a half or two weeks that have mentioned the fact things like this that uh, where, where they've had opportunity to invite people to church and uh, to come out here. And quite a few of them have said they might be willing to give us a try. Um, and so be praying. And a lot of times we don't, uh, we, we invite somebody and they give us that kind of a thing and then we kind of forget about it and we think, well, if they come, they come. But let's make that a matter of prayer uh, that God will continue to keep that on their heart and their minds and um, that they get in church, whether it be here or whether another Bible-believing church somewhere in the area. But, uh, folks, I believe we're living in the last days. If we're going to do a work for God, we need to get on with it and do it, uh, do it fervently and, and um, on purpose and uh, make it, a, make it a, a concerted effort to do the work God has for us to do. So, uh, all right, let's pray for these things, and then we'll get into our lesson today. Father, we're thankful for your... Uh, your word and the opportunity that we have today to come and sit in front of its pages, to hear it being taught and preached, to be able to read it together, to allow your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and to guide us in truth and in instruction. And Lord, we do ask that you would allow us this morning to uh, have the wisdom uh, that is needed, that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us to rightly divide and understand your word. Help us to learn the things from this that will be a help to us, and that perhaps we can share to others to be a help to them as well. We pray for these requests that have been mentioned this morning. Lord, a lot of our folks that are sick and not feeling well, uh, we thank you for the good reports that we've gotten for those that have been concerned about testing positive for COVID, that uh, they've so far all come back negative, and we're thankful and grateful for that. But they are sick, and we do pray that you would put a hand of healing on them and strengthen them, give them grace during this time. For those that are traveling, Lord, many that... Um, the Gettingers and um, the uh, Douglases and uh, Miss Linda, others that will be traveling, I pray that you would give them uh, safety as they travel and opportunities uh, to be a witness for you. Uh, we think of those that are in the hospital. We think of uh, Linda, this friend of uh, Mark Ayers that's in the hospital today, that you would uh, strengthen her and touch her body. We pray for uh, this friend of Miss Sandy's son that also is, is dealing with health issues. And then, Lord, a number of unspoken requests, I'm sure, that are in the room today. I pray that you would uh, know and understand and and have your hand upon each of those things and that you would guide and direct us. May we give you the honor and the glory for the outcomes of them. We pray that you'll guide and direct throughout this day that we would be able to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. (coughs) Excuse me. Exodus chapter number 7. 
And uh, we started this chapter last week dealing uh, with uh, the idea that um, God tells Pharaoh that he's going to make him a god, to little G-O-D, God to Pharaoh. And understanding the idea behind that uh, within the context of it, that at that time, in that period, uh, the Egyptians looked at Pharaoh as a god. Now, uh, in studying some things about the Egyptians and preparing for uh, some of the lessons that we're going to be doing over the next several weeks, um, I did some time. I spent some time dealing with the uh, gods that the Egyptians had. Uh, as best we can tell, there were over 57 different gods that the Egyptians worshipped at this time. So when we talk about a polytheistic uh, group of people, we're not talking about a people who have three or four gods. We're talking about people that had a god for almost everything that you could imagine. Um, however, uh, they believe that since the Pharaoh... Uh, was alive and in the flesh right there in front of them, that he was the most powerful of the God at that time during his lifetime. And so it was very important that this Pharaoh not have in his mind that he is superior to everything and that Moses would be inferior to him. What God was saying here in verse 1 of chapter 7 was not that um, he was going to make Moses a God, but he was going to make Pharaoh's opinion of him be such that he didn't look down on him as something that was beneath him or something that was below him, but God was going to use the events and the uh, plagues that He's going to bring upon the nation of uh, the Egyptians to prove to Pharaoh uh, that Moses is one speaking with authority, that he has authority even over Pharaoh. And so we're going to look at some of these things today as we get into them. I mentioned last week as we got down to verse number uh, 6 and 7, the idea that God intentionally puts the age of Moses and Aaron and yet it says over and over again, we can go down through this chapter numerous times, how that Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. We find that in verse number 6. And uh, we find it again as we get down to verse number 10. Uh, we find it again over in verse number 20. And so uh, the idea that you don't have to um, hang up your spurs, so to speak, when you get to be a certain age. Uh, God can use anybody. It doesn't matter how young we are. It doesn't matter how old we are. God has something for every one of us to do. And I heard one fellow say, if you can't shoot, at least carry bullets. Do something. Uh, if you're not able to walk and go out and knock on doors and tell people about the Lord, if you're not um, uh, well-spoken, you're nervous just about speaking to somebody, then take all this junk mail that you get with all this prepaid postage uh, envelopes that are in them, put a track in them and a little handwritten note and send it back. You don't even have to pay postage for it. But do something. God's got something for everybody to do. And so I want to encourage us in that. That brings us to verse number 8, which is where we ended last week. In verse number 8, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it, will be, it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did as the Lord had commanded. And Pharaoh cast down his rod, before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the, magician, and, and now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments, for they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Now I want to just take a moment on this. There's a couple of uh, things that uh, ought to be considered. There, There is an actual... <clears throat> technique of dealing with a, believe it or not, the, the best snake to do it with is an Egyptian cobra. 
where you can pinch a certain place behind their neck and they'll become stiff. And so some people have come out and said, okay, we believe that these magicians and astrologers uh, were practicing this, this, this illusion of uh, having a paralyzed snake and that they were holding it as a rod and that when they cast this, this thing down that all of a sudden it was able to move again and that that's what this was. However, I'd rather take what the Bible says, wouldn't you? I don't want to try to explain away the things that God explains or states as things that are in the supernatural realm of things. And notice what it says here, because it talks about Aaron casting down his rod, and then it says in verse number eleven, uh, verse number twelve, excuse me, for they cast down every man his what, his rod. Okay, not a stiff snake. So. I say this to, to make this point, that Satan does have power. Now, he certainly is not anything in, in relation to God. He's not God's opposite equal uh, because he was created by God. So he has, he has no ability to withstand God. God uh, Satan can't do anything that God does not permit. And the Bible teaches us that quite clearly. He says, "...greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world." And uh, while we as, as humans ought not try to battle Satan on his ground in our own power, we certainly have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have God working in us to do these things. But I uh, have a, a friend of mine that was a missionary down to Haiti for a number of years uh, and uh, was spent many, many years translating uh, the King James Bible into Haitian. Uh, his name is Dalen Hicks. And uh, years ago in talking with him, uh, he and another missionary friend of his had been invited to go to a uh, seance, a voodoo seance down in, uh, in Haiti. And he said, Brother Greg, I went there, and he said, I saw things that I cannot explain. And he said, I don't even go into detail and tell people about it. He said, I've never had a desire to ever see that again, nor do I even like talking about it. But he said, there are things that... Satan did affect in that seance of a physical nature. So I say all that just to say this, that Satan does have some abilities to do things that you and I probably could not do. I think of the time when, <coughs> when uh, Joseph uh, was in prison. Remember that? And uh, the uh, 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 king had a dream and could not interpret what the dream was. And he got upset because he called his astrologers and his magicians, and they could not give him the interpretation of it. Uh, in the book of Daniel, it talks about that. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and again, he calls the magicians, the astrologers. The reason these kings did this was because a lot of these men could interpret a lot of the dreams that they had. Uh, I think they were dreams that were influenced by Satan, and uh, he would, again, control the hearts and minds of some of these astrologers and people that were dabbling in the occult and would give them the interpretations of them. But when God put a dream in the king's heart, Satan had no idea what that interpretation was. And uh, so we find here that these fellows, they cast down their eyes, they say, oh, that's no big deal, we can do this too. And they duplicate the same thing that God has, has done. And, and they throw their, their, snake, or their rods down on the ground, and the magicians, their, their rods become snakes also. <clears throat> and, uh, but notice what it says here, and I love this, in verse number 12. But Aaron's rod, or Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So even though they threw them down, they certainly didn't pick them back up, all right? Uh, Aaron picked it up. God wasn't going to let that happen. But notice verse 13, because we've seen this now a couple of times. We're going to see it several more times. 
It says, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, meaning God did. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So the Lord already told Moses and Aaron, listen, when you go to Pharaoh, expect this. This is going to happen. They're, they're going to have their hearts hardened. By the way, the Bible teaches us that in the last days that men shall be lovers of their own selves. They're going to have a hardness of heart. They're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to turn away from sound doctrine. And he does that, I believe, so that you and I, while laboring, are not weary in well-doing because of the fact that people have hardened their hearts. We know this going into it, that there are going to be in these last days people whose hearts are hardened, and we ought not be uh, overwhelmed by that, but we should continue to do as God has asked us to do and has commanded us to do, and that is to be faithful in serving Him. And uh, we must continue on and continue on because we know from past experiences, and this is one of them, that even though it seems like there was a hardness of heart and a hardness of heart and a hardness of heart and it kept going, 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 that God had a plan in place. We're going to see that here hopefully today in chapter, hopefully if we get to chapter number 9 or get that far, uh, we're going to see something that I think is very, very important for us to understand about this. So we get to uh, uh, verse number 13, and God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Verse number 14 and the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. Now, I want to just stop here for a moment because we've now seen this phrase multiple times from about chapter number 5 up through about chapter number 7 at least. And we're going to see it multiple more times. And that is this phrase, and the Lord said unto Moses. I don't want to just gloss over this thought or this teaching that it is important that you and I understand that that relationship with God, that time that we spend with Him and having Him speak to our hearts is very, very crucial. Uh, and it's something that we ought not take for granted. God speaks to us through His Word today. That's what He's chosen to do, to speak to our hearts. And then through the, uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, as we read His Word, uh, we understand what God's will is. We know what we are to do as God's people. That's God's way of speaking to us. And this is something we ought to rejoice in. Uh, could you imagine if God saved our soul and then He was off doing something else and kind of ignored us for the rest of our lives? But God is able to be a part of our day every single day. I don't think, it, I don't think we ought to pass over this phrase, and the Lord said unto Moses very quickly, because you and I have the same ability today to hear from God and to know what God's will is for our lives. Verse number 15, Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning, lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come. And the, uh, the that phrase just means opposite of where he's at, across the river from him. And the rod which was turned as a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. Thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite the, with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters, <coughs> which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. Now, if you'll remember back when Moses uh, met God at the burning bush, God did a couple things to prove to Moses that I am the Lord, okay? And Moses said, what am I going to do if they won't listen to me? And you remember what he said? He told them to cast the rod down 
and it became a serpent. And then he asked him to pick it back up again. Throwing it down didn't take a whole lot of faith, in my opinion, but, boy, picking it back up sure took a lot of faith. Uh, that, that's something I don't know if I could have handled. But he also had him put his hand in his cloak, remember, and it became leprous. And God used that to express to Moses and to, to cement and establish Moses' heart that I am the Lord God and I will be with you. I'm, this, is, this is me talking to you, Moses, telling you this is what I want you to do. And he says, I'm not going to let you go somewhere that I'm not going to enable you. I'm not going to protect you. I'm not going to uh, uh, allow you to do the work that God's going to So God used those signs to convince Moses' heart. Now, if you'll remember, when he goes to the nation of Israel, he and Aaron, God tells Moses and Aaron that they are to use those two signs to show the nation of Israel that they are sent from God. Remember that? And so he does the same too. He throws the rod down. He does the leprous hand. And when he shows them the signs, then the nation of Israel say, okay, this is uh, the man that is sent from God. Then we come to this passage, and we've seen this now a couple of times, and God is using these things to show to Pharaoh. Now, again, keep in mind, and you say, well, why does Pharaoh have to be convinced? Because they worshipped 57 other gods that are known, that, that archaeological um, discoveries have confirmed and said these were Egyptian gods. There's probably more that have not even yet been discovered. And at the very top of that pile, the very, very top of that heap, was Pharaoh himself. And not only did the people consider him to be a god, he considered himself to be a god. In fact, not a god, but the most powerful god. And so it's very important that God impress in the heart of Pharaoh that there, there may be gods that you worship, but there is none that is the one true God, including yourself, Pharaoh. This is why God continues to harden Pharaoh's heart along the way. We're going to see that here in just a little bit. So this very first one, there's, and I'm going to give you several things here. God, God begins to chip away, and through these ten different plagues, he begins to undermine the authority of each of these Egyptian gods. There were three specific gods in the Egyptians' worship that dealt with the rivers and the waters. Uh, one of them, uh, and I don't know if I can pronounce all these names all the way, because they're, they're odd names, but one of them was Knum, uh, who's the guardian of the river source, so the source of the uh, Nile. One was H-A-P-I, Happy or Hoppy, Spirit of the Nile. And then there was another one, Osiris, uh, who was, the Nile was the bloodstream of that particular god. So there's three gods that dealt with the Nile and the water that was around them. And so God sends a plague that none of those three gods that they worshipped, if Pharaoh or any of the Egyptians went to the temples of any of these three gods and said, uh, take this plague away from us, God was showing them that these gods had no power to do what he could do. Very, very important that we understand some of the things that God is doing here for the purpose of, and God even tells us here in verse number 17, Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Take thy rod, stretch it out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become not as blood, but the Bible says here that they may become what? Blood. And that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone, 
And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood, and the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water in the river, and there was blood throughout, notice this, all the land of Egypt. That's interesting, isn't it? Throughout all the land of Egypt. Why would God allow this plague to take place in all the land of Egypt? You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Greg? That means that even in Goshen, where the Israelites were, this particular plague took place. Why would God allow the Israelites to go through this as well? Not only were the rivers dried up, but the ponds were or not dried up, but turned to blood, but the ponds were turned to blood, the rivers were turned to blood. The Bible says that even the water that was in the pots that they had in their homes were turned to blood. Why would God allow this plague to affect the Israelites the same as the Egyptians? Do you remember back when Moses first came to the Israelites and he did the two miracles and they were excited? All right, yes, God has sent Moses. And, and then Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh the first time, and they tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. And what does Pharaoh do? He increases their workload, doesn't he? He causes the, the masters uh, that were over them to get whips in their hands and to begin beating them. And the people, what did they do? Did they say, you can do what you want, we just trust in the Lord and He's going to deliver us? Is that, was that their response? What was their response? What was it? Bad mouth Moses. Why in the world did you come here? You've made it worse for us. Even though they had an intellectual knowledge that God had sent Moses and Aaron, they were not fully convinced in their hearts yet, were they? Not, not in this situation. And God is trying to still prove to the nation of Israel that He is there. That He is the one that is all-powerful. He's the one that has these things in control. And they are slow learners. And we look at this and we say, you know, I, don't, I, I, I look at the nation of Israel, I think, why in the world would they doubt those things? But the truth is, when our lives get more difficult, <laughs> how do we respond? God, I can't believe you let me get into this situation. It would have been better if you just left me where I was at. Why do I have to go through this hardship? This is even worse than what it was. Just hang in there and keep trusting Him because God has a plan. The nation of Israel couldn't learn this quick enough. And lest we get too critical of them, neither can you and I very often. We like to say that we trust God with all of our hearts. But the truth is, how often do we fail in trusting Him? We get anxious. We get depressed, we get anxiety, we, we have worry, we have concern, we gripe and we complain. Lord, look at the situation I am in now. Can I tell you this? We are quick. And I, I know growing up, I would read the stories of Israel in the Old Testament and I'd think, these people were so dumb. They are so dumb. And then all of a sudden, I'd look at something in my life and think, duh, I did the same thing they did. I didn't trust God. And oh, that we would learn to trust Him no matter what. What if it gets more difficult? God is still in control. 
God still has a plan in mind. So we find that this, this first plague takes place. <clears throat> the Bible says throughout all of Egypt, and the magicians, notice this in verse number 22, the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. So again, we find that these magicians duplicate the same thing that Moses and Aaron did. Okay? <clears throat> so at this point, Pharaoh's still saying, you know what? That's not a big miracle because even my uh, magicians, my priests of these other gods, they can accomplish the same thing. No big deal. Get out of my face. And they sent Moses and Aaron out and, and didn't worry about it. And God hardened his heart. And the Bible says, And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither did he set his heart to do this also. And all the Egyptians digged round about the river for, the water, for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. Now, I don't know what Pharaoh is doing in these seven days. I got a feeling that he probably was getting on to the priests of these gods saying, Listen, fellas, y'all need to get this thing resolved. Let's get this thing taken care of. I don't know that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But I doubt Pharaoh's sitting back for seven days and not worrying about the situation. Because we get to verse number 1 of chapter 8. And the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, going to Pharaoh, and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly that shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people and unto thy ovens and in thy uh, kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds. And caused frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. Notice this, verse number seven, uh, 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 verse number 6. Again, it covered the land of Egypt. Second plague. Not just the Egyptians, but even the Israelites are affected by this. We get to verse number 7. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Now there's two, uh, there are two uh, gods. One of them was one of the ones we mentioned that was the spirit of the Nile before. But there was another one called Hect, H-E-Q-T, that uh, related to um, the ideas of frogs and fertility and those types of things uh, regarding the reproduction of these frogs. And both of these things, again, were duplicated by the Egyptians Again, it covered all the land of Egypt, so the Israelites are once again affected by them. <clears throat> and Moses said, verse number 9, or uh, verse number 8, so, sorry. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and they entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee? and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee in thy houses, that they may remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. <laughs> I find that humorous. There was a guy years ago that came to our church, and he had written a song called One More Night with the Frogs. In other words, I haven't had enough of them. Just, uh, Moses, I want you to get rid of them, but don't get rid of them until tomorrow. Isn't that interesting why Pharaoh would say that? Moses said, When do you want me to get rid of them? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of odd to me. You say, why did Pharaoh say tomorrow? I don't know. 
But I come back to the thought, I wonder if even at this point, Pharaoh's trying to find a way to have his gods and his magicians solve the problem so that he could come to Moses and say, your God has no power over me. I don't know that. But it is interesting that when Pharaoh could have had it immediately taken away, he says, no, let's, let's, let's give it till tomorrow. If they're not gone by tomorrow, then Moses, would you entreat the Lord for us? And that's, that's really what he's saying here. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us that Pharaoh's doing these things, and if somebody disagrees with me on that, that's fine. That's my opinion. That's from First Gregalonians. Uh, in, <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, but that's my opinion of something. Uh, and that's fine. We don't know uh, is, is the answer. But it is interesting why God would put in here and indicate that Pharaoh wasn't ready for him to disappear right away. He waits till tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. In other words, Pharaoh's, or Moses is saying, You know what, Pharaoh, you can take as many days as you want. It doesn't matter. The key is you're going to learn that there is none like unto the Lord our God. There's not a God in Egypt that can handle dealing with these types of things. Verse number 11, And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy house, houses and from thy servants and from thy people, and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord. Boy, I like that phrase too, don't you? Not only does God speak to Moses, but Moses is able to cry unto the Lord and come to the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Boy, that would be an understatement, wouldn't it? Could you imagine the mess they would have had on their hands? But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And so again, the frogs are gone. If Pharaoh had been having his magicians and his uh, priests of these other gods working on the problem, trying to solve it for him, and all of a sudden Moses says, okay, we'll go ahead and get rid of them, and they're gotten rid of, I think it would be real easy for Pharaoh to say, well, Moses, I'm not real sure you got rid of them. My guys have been working on it too. And again, I don't know this, but boy, it's just interesting that when, the, when there was respite, when there finally was rest to the land and the frogs were gone, the Bible says that he hearkened not unto them. He didn't listen to Moses and, Pharaoh, or Moses and Aaron anymore. <coughs> Verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, there was a god of the earth called Seb, that was the god of Egypt. And so this, these lice are going to come up out of the dust of the earth. So this should be the god that would be able to control that, according to the Egyptians. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in the man, in man and in beast, and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, that's a lot of lice. Again, we find the phrase, throughout all the land of Egypt. Again, all the way into Goshen. The Israelites are suffering along with the Egyptians at this point. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring... Uh, bring forth lice, but they could not. This is the first of the plagues that the magicians made the attempt and could not duplicate. 
You see how God is just continuing to advance in the mind of Pharaoh? Hey, listen, Pharaoh, you may think you're powerful. You may think your gods are powerful. You may think your land is powerful. Your people are powerful. There is none like unto the Lord our God. God is making sure that by the time God, that Pharaoh lets his people go, Pharaoh has no doubt in his mind that this is the God of heaven. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh. Now, understand, they could not duplicate this. Notice what the magicians. Now, I personally believe that these magicians were controlled by Satan. I think they were demonically controlled. I think they were dabbling in the occult and had these types of powers to some degree. But notice what it says in verse number 19. This is the finger of capital G. O D. Now wait a minute. These folks, they worshiped all kinds of gods. They certainly did not worship the God of heaven. They worshiped Pharaoh as a god. And yet, when this plague comes along, they don't say it's the God of the Hebrews. They don't say it's the God of Moses and Aaron. They say this is the God. This is God. This is his finger at work. You remember in the New Testament? When Jesus cast out the demons, and they went into the uh, into the swine, or he, the swine, and he he asked the the, the demons. He said, uh, "Who are you?" And he said, "We." They said, "We are legion. What have you to do with us, thou son of what? God." They understood. They recognized who he was. It's interesting for me to note that uh, when um, God did some of these things, these miracles that the Bible says that the men that saw them were astounded and were amazed. But when the devils were cast out, they were fearful. The men were amazed that God would give such power unto men. The devils were fearful because they realized this wasn't just a man. It was the Son of God. There was a recognition of who He was. These magicians understood who this was. They knew from this point on that these plagues are not things that I can duplicate. These things can only be done by someone that is much higher than you or I, Pharaoh. And that is the God of heaven. This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, <clears throat> Rise up early in the morning. And stand before Pharaoh, and lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, but behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon thou art, they are. And I will sever in that day, notice this, the land of Goshen. Here we go. It took the magicians, the, the, those that served as priests to those fake gods, those idols. It took their inability to duplicate what God had done for the nation of Israel to be fully convinced that Moses was sent from God. At the moment that these magicians and these folks that were the leaders of the day could not do the miracles that Moses and Aaron did, at the moment that happened, the nation of Israel said, just like the magicians, that's not a God of Egypt. That's the God. 
And from this point on, God no longer brings plagues on the nation of Israel. He separates Goshen from the land of Egypt. We're going to pick up there next week, and we've gone over a few minutes, so we'll start probably at about 11.05 this morning. And I hope that will be a help to you. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Lord, what an interesting study, and yet so many things to learn from your word. I pray that you'd help us to get these things and to apply them to our hearts and our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.